Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm in Bruges. It's the morning after the game. An overcast morning in the small Belgian city. I'm in a hotel with Neil Custis. Neil, as regular listeners will know, is the Manchester correspondent for the Sun newspaper. He gave us a really good podcast last year. If you didn't hear that, go on to United We Stand's website where he talks about his career and working his way up in the, the journalism world to covering Manchester United. So I first came across Neil in 99 on a pre-season tour of, um, of the Far East and he's broken many stories along the way, along the years. He's presented Sir Alex Ferguson with a cake with a hairdryer on the top as well. He just laughs as I say that to him. Neil, people listening to this will um, expect me to ask you about a Brazilian forward playing top flight football in the north of England? Um, yeah, you did the story about Neymar. You no, 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 uh, Mirandina. Oh! <laughs> You're a Newcastle fan. That's absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Mirandina, that was a huge thing at the, uh, at the time to get a player of his stature to the club. And it was, uh, it was uh, exciting times as well. I mean, he didn't have a mass, an enormous impact, I don't think, but... Uh, it was just the very fact that Newcastle could land him, you know. My one memory of him is coming to Old Trafford about 87, Newcastle bought thousands, like five or six thousand, and the whole end singing this wonderful song. His name is Mirandina. Do you know it? Yeah, yeah, I, I can't remember it. I His can't... name is Mirandina. He's not from Argentina. Yeah. He's from Brazil. He's fucking real. Yeah. And I just think that, that was fantastic. Yeah. But that was at a time when Brazilians didn't come to England. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it was... Uh... You know, another an, an exciting time in the in the club's history, but not that we've had too many over recent years. I mean, it's just been it's just been depressing to be a, a Newcastle fan. It's it's not the it's not the not winning trophies. We're well used to that. Um, it's not having hope, and if you take hope away from a football fan, then I'm not sure what's left. And I'm convinced that people will still go to St James's Park because it's a social thing. Yeah. You know, if they didn't go. They wouldn't meet their mates beforehand in the pub, go out with them afterwards, have the pre-match meal, you know, take that, have a father-son, father-daughter thing on a Saturday afternoon um, where they're watching football. And I'm convinced that's why people still go. But, but having said that, what I saw on Saturday um, in the nil-nil draw was um, quite positive. They looked well set up. I think they've got a solid manager. Um... And, you know, we're not going to be challenging for the league or Europe, but at least we won't have the threat of relegation looming over us now, I don't think. Um, and, you know, they're going to try in the Cups again, which, I mean, it's an absolute disgrace at the fact that they weren't trying in the Cups. You know, I mean, it's just, you can't charge for tickets if you're not going to try. So, I saw Newcastle at City last year. They had three or four Geordie lads in the team mm. away at City. And they beat them, and they were well, br- and they were brilliant. But they didn't they didn't put out a team to beat them though. That was the thing. That was what made it all the more remarkable. Yeah. You know, they put out a team to get knocked out basically. Um, but yeah, they took their they took the chance on the night. But money has been spent this summer. You know, I think they're the fourth or fifth biggest spenders in Europe, um, which is also another positive. And I was talking to um, I was talking to the girl Wendy, who is the press officer there before the game, and. You know, she does. She she insists that Mike Ashley does want it to be a success, and um, 
I mean, he's going a funny way about it, but uh, you know, she insists he does. And um, to be fair, this time he has he has put the money out there, you know, to 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 make Newcastle, you know, some sort of force again, even if it be mid table. One thing the Ashley regime has done is restrict media access, which, as mm. a journalist, concerns me. Other mm. clubs have done it. Swindon Town, where they've started charging for access, yeah, and having partners. And uh, I saw that. Um, I just think there's this danger of independent journalism where people ask difficult questions, and then you have uh, official media which is bound to reflect the the party line mm. but it's dangerous there was a well, che- I know. there was a Chelsea match report after their defeat oh, at Man City a couple of weeks ago yeah and and it was it, it but that was held up to ridicule wasn't it because yeah, a lot right, of papers right. re- reproduced yeah. it no it is a worry and the problem is the more clubs do it the more other clubs get the idea to do it mm. and clubs start comparing themselves to you know you know if we say well we're not able to talk to any players it says well well you know Manchester United don't let you sort of thing um, as was. Um, well, the truth will always get out. If, if, if a player's unhappy, he might not go on the record about it, mm. but he'll speak. Well, the, I mean, the problem is that the, it, it, is a, it is a form of uh, like state-controlled media propaganda. There's forever the threat of bans hanging over people. But, you know, Manchester United was like that um, under Sir Alex. And uh, in many ways, sadly, Manchester United put out a bit of a template for other clubs in how they dealt with the media with these bannings and stuff like that um, often for you know in the, in the end Sir Alex is banning people for getting stories right yeah, I know. you know uh, it's just ridiculous and, and then saying he said in his book he, he never held a grudge and I thought well I know <laughs> you did well you I, certainly I, did well one of my many bans was for a year and a half so if he didn't hold a grudge over that then I'm not <laughs> what, sure what it was what was that for that was for having a row with him about about it was after the Bayern Munich game where they got knocked out so that would be what 2010 yeah um, Van Hal Robin and yeah. he put he'd said typical Germans about a player being sent off and we'd all used his back page headline he wasn't happy about it he was going on about he said you lot should have been concentrating on what a great performance we put in well they didn't they got knocked out you know they took their foot off the ball their eye off the ball and Rafa de Silva got sent off yeah, yeah. so um so when it came to the next press conference, we were asking, he refused to do what is, just for your listeners, is an embargo bit, which is not what you'll see on television. It's a, it's a piece that is just for the papers and goes on television much later. Um, so midway through the press conference, I just started saying, why won't you do it? Why won't you do it? And he called me ignorant and it all escalated. And, then, and I mean, looking back, I shouldn't have done it because it was in front of the cameras, not that the cameras were ever going to show it. But I just thought he was being irrational and unfair. So, yeah, so that was, uh, that was me for a year and a half. But bizarrely, um, it ended when we were in America. And um, when we got on the pre-season tours, Sir Alex always, bar once, has done, does a sit-down interview with all the national press. It goes on for about an hour. It's always the best interview of the year. And it's one of the many reasons we go on the tours, to be fair. And the only time he didn't do it was 2005, wasn't it? When yeah. Keane had been the bus stop with Keane in, ahead of the tour to China. Yeah. Um, and, it was, and he let me in on that um, sit-down because, you know, I'd come so far. And then after it, I just said, look, can, I, can we just stop this ban? And I don't think he could even remember what he banned me for, you know? So... And he was just like, he was just chatting, he just started chatting to me about things that were going on at the time with 
uh, the news of the world yeah. and and stuff like that and um and it was like what we're just we're <laughs> chatting like mates here and you've had me banned for a year and a half I think half the time you forget what you banned people for I saw him in um in San Jose pre-season in in the, the team hotel <laughs> I was there interviewing a player and you don't know what's going to happen next mm. hello son good to see you but that could have easily been what are you doing here well I know, you know? I know I saw him at I saw him at Anfield and he just said hello, Neil, and shook my hand. Big smile on his face. Um, he's looking great. He's looking yeah, alive, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he's, he's sort of... I think he's missed already. Plus, not just by fan players, but, but by the media, because yeah. he, he brought, a, he brought a, a life and a colour to pages. He, he used phrases, the wonderful phrases to describe football. You know, phrases that will go down in the annals like squeaky bum time and stuff like that. Um, and that's that's missing now, you know. What do you think of Van Hall in the media? I think he's... I mean, I like him because he, cause there is a, a, a sort of eccentricity about him, a quirkiness about him. But a bit like Sir Alex, he can be slightly irrational about, you know, certain questions that are asked. You know, he... he, he, he says he doesn't talk about individual players, so that takes a huge swathe. Of, of, of copy out um, he won't talk about any signings I, I can understand that but you know last Friday I, I sort of challenged him because he said he said um, you know all this nonsense has been written in the papers about what we're doing in the transfers and, and about Pedro he said so I said to him I said can I just make the point that unless you explain it from your point of view of what has happened and what has gone on you can't sit there and say we're, we're writing rubbish because you want to explain what's happened. He says, ah, oh, yes, he says, you've been writing rubbish for the last two weeks. And I then said, well, I haven't because I've been on holiday. So, um, you know, he's, 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 he can be a bit irrational in that sense, but he's also good fun. He's, you know, he can be really good fun. And he's very, he's, he's, sometimes he's sort of brutally honest about players as well. I mean, there was the, before the first Bruges game at Old Trafford, Janazai sat next to him. And he's going on about how inconsistent he is as a player, and you're like thinking, goodness me. And Janazai's like, like well, I know. Janazai's shuffling in his seat, and apparently he does it. But it's, it's true. He is inconsistent. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he, yeah, apparently he's got a, a much higher opinion of himself than oh, yeah, his yeah. Uh, football uh, warrants. Um, I don't think he'd be long for Man United. I don't think he's good enough. He hasn't, you know. But the initial burst under David Moyes was good, but. Went to, see, it up. went to see Moise in San Sebastian oh, right, on yeah. Monday. It yeah. was great. He was, he was he's happy there, he's relaxed there, talked yeah. to him for a couple of hours. I know you spoke to him for a few yeah, hours. Yeah, I've been over a couple of times. Um, and there is still a... I think there is still a lingering bitterness. Of course. Um, of course. Because that was, that was the big chance, yeah. you know? And I'm, I'm currently reading Jamie Jackson's book. What's it like? A Season in the Red. It's it's good, um, but I mean, from our point of view, it doesn't tell us anything new because we we were there. Um, but it just reminds you of how how difficult it was for him, and you know, I, I don't think that some players helped him. You know, they, well, they the, didn't. there was a lot of players who were coming to the end of their careers, basically in the top flight, not playing as well as they used to, consequently not being picked, and I think they were using David Moyes as the as the excuse. They were happy for him to take all the criticism and and what have you. Well, you've got to remember that Van Aal only finished six points better off last season than Moyes did the season before. And scored fewer goals. Well, yeah. And, and didn't reach the quarter-finals of the European Cup. 
and and some of it was dreadful. Yeah. Some of the performances were really dull, you know. So I have a, I have a lot of sympathy for David Moyes, but he's rebuilding. I, he's enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, and and hopefully he'll he'll you know do in in the same way that you know Steve McLaren did, and you know Bobby Robson when he left England and and went abroad and enhanced their reputations. Um, and came back and were, were successful again. The problem is you'll you'll not get, you'll never again get the chance at a club of that stature, because he'll, you know it'll always be, you know it'll always be a black mark against him that he couldn't do it when the chance came. Uh, I think he eventually would have done it because particularly away from home there were some excellent performances. You know West Ham, Newcastle, Leverkusen, uh, Leverkusen record European win. Um, so it was just at home that there was a problem. I can't understand why. I said, um, let, let, let's not dwell on the negative, David. Just tell us a couple of brilliant moments from your time at United. Mm. And he talked about Olympiacos at home, and then he said, uh, he said 22 seconds in Munich away. Yeah. He said it was just brilliant. I said, what did you want to happen? And then he said, I just wanted the referee to blow up there. And yeah. then... I know, I was sat, I was sat, uh, I was sat next to Steve Bates from the people. Who is, he was a Man United yeah, fan. Yeah. And... Uh, and whenever I hit that goal, and we were both off our seats, because you know, even though I'm a Castle fan, um, I like—I don't care whether it's Man United or Man City who win the league. I know Newcastle aren't going to win the league, but I don't care if it's Man United or Man City. I just want them both to be challenging because that makes my job better and more exciting. But I always want to see, particularly in Europe, uh, Manchester United doing well. And I've always wanted all the English clubs to do well in Europe, no matter who they are. You know, even if it was Sunderland, dare I say it? But not that that's ever going to happen. Um, but yeah, I was off my seat, you know, in the same way I was off my seat in the new Camp and many other times, you know. And Off your seat in the new Camp because you had to do a rewrite in about five minutes. Well, I just done, I was doing the um, player ratings that night because I, I wasn't actually covering United. I just went as the fourth man. Peter Fitton was still covering them then. And I was doing the player ratings. I had to do 50 words on every player, even the substitutes who came on. And I'd just finished writing, uh, you know, Soscar came on but failed to make an impact. Uh, likewise, Sheringham, Sheringham came on to change the game but failed to do so, sort of thing. So um, it was a quick phone call to the office about uh, five minutes later. So the circumstances they, have changed somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better, you, you better change that round a bit. It's, it's no longer got a five out of ten. You mentioned Pedro and the way United dealt with that story. United don't control that story. There no. are other parties. Pedro's allowed an opinion. Mm. Barca allowed an opinion. United wanted him. Mm. He wanted to go to Manchester United. So now, now whatever people have said post mm. going to Chelsea, maybe United didn't want him enough. I accept if Van Hall says he didn't, he wasn't really, really hot on him. Mm. I accept that. But for a period of a month, United were interested in him. Yeah, it was, but it was interesting that we heard, we heard before the pre-season tour that he wasn't that taken on him. Mm. Um, but they were still interested. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I know. Um, the thing I the thing I can't get or believe is that they were quibbling over three million quid and I had to pay it. If they really wanted it, that wouldn't. I mean, they spent about two billion pounds over the last year. You yeah. know, I mean, what? I can't believe they were quibbling over that. I, I think what may have happened is, I think after the first summer of Ed Woodward with David Moyes, when they put a lot of their eggs in one basket with Fabregas, and when he didn't come. Um, there was nothing else on the table. I think this time, I think they, they, they're chasing like one, two, three, four players yeah. for us for the same position yeah. and negotiating with all of them yeah. um, and seeing who they'll get mm. um, so they're not left empty-handed. 
now, uh, you know, as we speak, the, the deadline day is coming up, and they are as good as they are defensively, as solid as they look. They are short up front, there's no doubt about it. You know, Wayne Rooney needs help. Um, he's often playing against two centre-backs without anybody around him, so... You know, you just got to hope that they'll pull something off, and they are trying, and they're trying big. Um, so you mentioned Neymar earlier on. You, your brother is the sports editor of mm. the Sun, Sean. He did a story last yeah. Friday about the possibility of Manchester United um, wanting Neymar. What more can you tell us? Well, I mean, the, when when that story hit, um, I mean, I got absolute. A lot of people thought I'd written it, which I hadn't, but I, I still believe it. I still back it up. But I got absolute bucket loads of abuse on Twitter. I mean, it's just depressing with people saying, it'll never come, no chance, you're making this up, you're stealing a living. And what, what people don't get is, whether he comes or not, that is not the story. The story is Manchester United are trying to get him, yeah. right? And that is a big story, yeah. whether he comes or not. Now, there's every chance he won't come, but there is actual interest from the player's point of view because of the history of Manchester United and everything, he's, he's, he's quite, he likes that. And, um, you know, the, the agent, Pini Zahavi, would not be working on it if he didn't think there was a chance of it. Now, if he doesn't come, that doesn't make the story wrong. And why shouldn't the club of the stature of Manchester United be going for someone like that? I th- I th- sometimes we still think of people like Barcelona and Real Madrid to be on another sort of level. They're not. They're not, not to Manchester United, nor should they be. Well, let's hold United we stand. We won't be beaten of price but by anybody mm. there are other factors Barcelona are a better team than, than Manchester United at the moment but United fans are bound to be sceptical because they're seeing players linking themselves to Manchester United and then getting new contracts and then getting new contracts. no I know I know well and Ramos was the worst one of that but well, then that came out of Ramos's brother you know, he's, he, he, he put the initial story out there mm. because he knows that United have, have got money and but United were insistent that Ramos wanted to come. Yeah, but he was insistent that Fabregas wanted to come. Yeah, I know. But Fabregas did want to come. He Fa- did. Fabregas made direct calls to people we know to say, I will come. But, Van Persie being one, didn't he? <laughs> and others. Yeah. But what he said was, the club have got to put me up for sale first. Yeah. There's a big difference between asking for a transfer and the club saying, we don't want you anymore. They also started in... Didn't they start him in the Super Cup game or something at the start of that season? Against and Santos, yeah. and that, changed his, that changed his mind. Well, but Fabregas I mean, w- would have come um, last summer. Yeah. Again, Moyes had him lined up. I know. Um, and he would have come. He ran Moyes. Yeah. He, 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 he told him that he, he, he would have um, he'd definitely come. And, and, and other players. But with Neymar. When he arrived at Barcelona, and I've got some good ins at Barcelona, he was the second best paid player there mm. behind Messi. He's now the fifth best paid player because Alves hung, held out for a contract which he got yeah. two days after the European Cup win. Um, Iniesta got a new contract, and Suarez has joined the club. Mm. So I, I, I don't doubt the story is right. United want him. I wouldn't mind going out with Elizabeth Early. Mm. Doesn't mean that she's going to yeah. go out with me, but you. you United are in for these players. Yeah. And I think Ed really wants to get one of these superstars. Yeah. One, yeah. yeah. Um, you have ties to... him with the Adidas stuff and you yeah. know, get a massive sign. Oh, he's, uh, I mean, he's, he's thinking big, you know, where there was a, you know, there was a period where the club underinvested. Yeah, they did. Which I think had a knock on effect to David Moyes' yeah. season. 
Um, the late 30 years when he said there's no value in the market. I know. That and, and 30 I don't think David Gill was putting any pressure on the Glazers to spend either. But Woodward, to my knowledge, literally went in uh, you know, two summers back and said to them, we've got to spend and we've got to spend big. If we're going to you know, get this club back on the right road, if we're going to attract the big sponsors and stuff like that. Because the, the sponsors will only come if your club's successful. They don't want to be connected to a club that's that's past its peak or, or what have you. So, to be fair to, to Ed Woodward and, and, dare I say, to be fair to the Glazers, they have actually put the money put the money up and, and, and put Man United back as the, as the biggest spenders again. And that's what they have to do. And, you know, with what City are doing, I mean, you look at that City team right now and I think even the staunchest Manchester United fan will accept that it is on another level. Um, I think Aguero's the best striker in the league. Well, he's the best, stri- by, he's by best pl- player ever to play for that club. Mm. He should have been player of the year. He's never had... What, he better than been. King Cladsey? <laughs> I mean, you'd be going to have Man United in the 70s next. But, um, <laughs> it, but you, look at, you look at Silva, Aguero and now Sterling and you look at them on the ball and, and they just... You watch Silva when he's on the ball... And he never looks at the ball. He's like gigs in that way. He's just like he's out for an afternoon stroll, but the ball's stuck to his foot. And I, just, I think the only thing they lack is what Manchester United have always had under Fergie was the mentality to put the performance in against Chelsea, but then do it the following week against you know Sunderland, Southampton, Swansea, whoever it might be. You see, because Manchester United, for me, always won titles because... Not because they'd often lose to Liverpool. They'd often lose the derby, even though there were streets ahead in the league of both clubs. But why they won titles because they beat who they were meant to beat. They beat who they were expected to beat, whereas other clubs didn't do that because they had the right mentality going into every game. And I don't think City have got that yet. Um, and I think that's why they slipped up in the season. They haven't won the title since the takeover. That I think that's one of the reasons. United season after season would win. Manchester United, sorry, said out of respect mm. to a Newcastle fan because <laughs> I know that pisses... pisses. Oh, I get stick, stick, fans, I know I get stick from Geordie's if I refer to United yeah. on Twitter. Oh well, there, there is more than one United, and Manchester yeah, yeah. United fans shouldn't be arrogant enough to, to, to think that. But for years under Ferguson, Manchester United would win 15, 16, 17 home games, mm. bang bang, no messing about. Yeah, um, there were a few bump, bumps along the way, and I think City are an exceptionally good side. Um, they haven't done it in Europe yet. No, they're, they're a better team than Manchester United at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that's been reflected over the last half a dozen derbies. Um, however, Manchester United remain a far, far bigger story. Yeah, and yeah. I sometimes get the statistics of like a Van Hall press conference or a, a Pellegrini press conference, and you Manchester United they're like ten times bigger, twenty oh, no. times bigger. Well, City couldn't understand after they won the title under Pellegrini. They couldn't understand why all the national press went on the pre-season tour with. Uh, United yeah. apart from about two I think two went with City and they were like saying well we're the champions you should be coming with us and I, and I, what I would say to them is well you might be the champions but you're still not the biggest story in town and I'm afraid Manchester, but not by a long way Manchester, and, and particularly with Van Hal taking over and State United were in at the time um, and Pellegrini said he wasn't going to do much media on that well, I know. and Pelle- when he does it he's an intelligent man but, but he's, he's boring he's re- I mean he's really boring and this is what this is what um, this is why City don't get the exposure that they should as as champions cha- or t- challengers is because he he just didn't say anything, didn't say anything that's interesting. Do you have to go to these press conferences? No, I avoid it like the plague. 
if I can. But you, you must have to go to the sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And well, you just sit there. Why don't one of you just fall asleep in front of it? Well, I just... I, I'd, but it's sort of what they wanted, because... After Man- Mancini. Yeah, because Mancini was too much of a firebrand for them. And you got on well with Mancini. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went, uh, got on with him very well. Um, Good manager, great player. Loved him as a player. Yeah, yeah. I went out to see him in um, Turkey. Yeah. With Galatasaray, and he just absolutely slaughtered mm. the the head of Honchos at, at City. Not Kaldun, but the two, Soriano and Bigerstein, um over the way he said he was stabbed in the back, which I, th- which I think he was. Um Caldoun invited a United fan, Jim O'Neill, to the Chelsea game last week. Jim told me that. Jim's the, the economist who invented the bricks term. He's a big Man United fan. Oh, right. And um, he was at the Chelsea game last week, and Jim was winding him up about United, although he did credit him with the regeneration that City have put in, in that mm. part of Manchester. Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, I, I you can't... Like, the, only, the only thing I would criticise him for is how they dealt with Mancini, but otherwise... They haven't put a foot wrong since they took over the club and any concerns that it was like a, a fly-by-night thing were quickly dispelled. The, the training, I mean, you remember what that area was like before they took over. The, the before they took over, And it's spectacular now as you drive up there. You know, the, the, the university or college that they've built in as part of it, the, the, there's a sports centre which is, is part of the development. The training ground is unparalleled in football. And now they've got that extra tier behind the goal. You won't, you won't have been since they've done that. I've but seen it. I've seen it. The first game, it, it hasn't half made a difference to the atmosphere. Really? Yeah, it keeps the noise is kept in, but also there's a there's a real there's a real buzz, you know, with, with that extra tier up there now. And and they filled it, which was obviously going to be a doubt possibly. Um, so when they do the same at the other end, it'll be a real. You know, great stadium with a, with, a, with a great atmosphere to it. So the big one. So it's going to be sixty thousand. Mm. So I mean, they are the push, you know, even this season. If City go above fifty thousand, that'll put them ninth in the world. Yeah. In average attendance, and I put that on Twitter, and I had loads of United fans saying, "Oh, it's full of empty seats." And I just thought they will go into the top ten this season. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's a, it's a worry for United and United fans because they, they just aren't going to go away and yet United are far 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 bigger mm. even though City are clear, clearly a better team yeah. United in 7th is just a far far bigger story mm. a, a bigger draw um, but I, mean, I don't know what you think but w- w- when you watch United play at the minute do you there's, there's still there's been there's been the odd moments like when they beat City at Old Trafford last season when I thought they were exceptional uh, we're talking here Morning after the Bruges game, where they were exceptional, but it wasn't. It was against a team that can't even claim to be the best in Belgium. Um, An injury team. But I, you know, but I look at it now, and I'm still waiting for something to happen. I'm still waiting for this Van Hal, you know, Midas touch to to actually happen because it functions. But there's nothing. It doesn't. There's nothing when you watch it. They, there's nothing that separates them from the best of the rest for me at the moment. It, it functions, but and there's also no, you know that the one Depay scored, Man Memphis scored the two goals uh, against Bruges. That was a that was a rare moment of Manchester United excitement, isn't it? We haven't seen something like that for a few years. It's it's largely been dull under Van Gaal. I wrote a piece on Monday where I said I speak to the fans all the time, and 
this is not entertaining football. There are positives. The defence has been tightened. Yeah, I think the back four is good. Maybe he needed to, you know, if any players go to him with a, a, a grind, he just says, we need structure, 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 structure. Do you mm. think they're happy with that reply? Of course not. But it, it, I know someone else who, who we've mentioned on this podcast who said, who was asked about United, how they'll do this season. So we won't win the league, but it'll be very hard to beat mm. th- this year. And I can see that, but Bruges was good against a poor Bruges team, good for Rooney to score his at-trick, but there seems to be a lack of pace up front. I agree with you about there being a striker short. Hernandez looks mm. shot of confidence. Well, at, that one he took over the, the bar in the last minute. How, I mean, did he, how did he miss that? But it's not entertaining. No. And I thought to myself a few times in the last weeks I felt really conflicted why do I watch football because I want to be entertained mm. and there were moments last year you mentioned the City game Liverpool Tottenham there were a few but only a few not good enough not good enough for Manchester United and not good enough given the amount of money that's been spent is it because you want to be entertained I mean when you go to see Manchester United is it because you want to be entertained or because you want to see your team win and it doesn't matter it, it's, it, it's, it goes to the heart of what being a football fan mm. is about and you mentioned before about the Newcastle fans going to St James's Park, meeting up in the Strawberry and all them pubs around the ground, that is a huge part of it as mm. well. And I met Bruges fans here, they'll follow Bruges home and away regardless. Yeah. And football fans will follow their team. Of course what I've seen Manchester United win, I'm not going to pretend that every performance was scintillating under Sir Alex Ferguson, especially in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, but you do want some entertainment, and there's just not enough under Van Hart. No, I think, I think, and maybe it'll come, but so far there has not been enough. I did a piece on Monday um, after the, you know, the the nil nil draw. Yeah. Just saying that maybe it's just time to accept that we're not going to have, and there'll never be another, you know, there'll never be another Ronaldo. Um, the days of the treble drama is never going to happen again. The the outfit the outfit um, <laughs> that got to three Champions League finals in four seasons. I mean, we we took that for granted. Yeah. You know, yeah. you look back now, and that's some incredible achievements. Yeah. And the club the club feel that people took it for granted. Well, yeah. Quite rightly. Yeah. You know, that is an incredible achievement. Yeah. I, I do think football. But I just don't think that's. I think you have to sit back and say that was then, and this is now, and this is just. How it is? It's not happening. I think it'll happen in the future. It mm. might be five years. It might be ten years. Barcelona won one league title in thirty years. Yeah. Until, until Cruyff. United are so Manchester United are so big. I do think it will come back. There will be another Ronaldo in the future. But at the moment, we're not we're not seeing the, the signs. I know, and, and of all the money spent, how many how many of those players? Because I mean, you look at the you look at the team that's played now compared to the. Fergie's last team there's only Carrick and Rooney left everything else is new that's how big a change it's been in a couple of years and yet when Ed took over he said there's little retooling needed well yeah. and I um, didn't laugh when he said that mm. I thought well, that was just because, won the league well I know because but, but that winning that title papered over an awful lot of cracks didn't it yeah. and Lloyd uh, was handed a few bombs oh, where, where Fergie said to him look I'm sorry I should have done that yeah, and, yeah. and David's like oh, thanks for that yeah. you know, not just I mean all this stuff players. about him you know, I mean, he passed it, and he'll be I left you with the champions, but it was champions who, you know, City had imploded, Chelsea imploded that season, a lot going on behind the scenes and stuff like that. Um, and then he comes in, Suarez was brilliant for Liverpool, he's got a really 
tough um, opening set of runs. Yeah. So I, I do have some sympathy for David. He got things wrong, definitely, mm. certain things. And those defeats at home to City and Liverpool were horrendous. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend otherwise, but I still have some sympathy for yeah. him. I know stuff that went on behind the background where he was handed problems. Mm. I mean, even, even these last game, the Everton game, I remember you told me that you said the only reason he played Nanny in that game was to, to put him out on the market, to get money in to, for the, what he was going to do that summer. So he was still thinking even then that, um, you know, it was, it was genuinely going to be OK. And yet three days before that game, Nanny was asked about David Moyes and it was a, a soft question. You know, David's going back to Goodison Park. He's, I don't care. I don't care. He mm. wasn't playing for his manager. No. I don't care. Well, no, I don't. I don't. I think by the end of it, nobody was. No. Maybe Rooney. Uh, Rooney, but maybe Janizai. Yeah. Um, Johnny Evans. Yeah. Uh, Johnny's gonna leave. Yeah. Probably. I thought he was gonna go to Everton, but it looks like West Brom now, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. West Brom. Um, Tony He's fit, P- isn't he? Yeah. Tony Pulis has been putting some calls in about him and getting pretty good recommendations. He's not even on the. He's not even no. on the bench. No. He's a good footballer, Johnny Evans. Maybe you know, he's not had a good couple of years. But no, I think he's a good Premier League footballer. He does get uh, he does get a lot of injuries though, doesn't he? So I've got a train to catch, and you've got to get back to Manchester. How do you think Manchester United will do this season? We'll join you later on in, in the season for another podcast. I think they will finish uh, third. I think City win the title. I think Chelsea will be second, and I think United will finish third purely because I think they will be so hard to beat and. Uh, but they definitely need another striker, or you know, you know Wayne can't do it all on his own. Good a player as he is, and he's still got the ability as we saw last night. But they definitely need, they definitely need someone else. There will probably be some more news over the next few days. We don't mm. have a certain. I won't be surprised if there's a repeater last year. Bang Falcao, bang Di Maria. That, mm. It's because the money's there. Yeah. Um, but don't have any idea what it'll be at the moment. I find your prediction of third. Hard to disagree with. Um, how I do, I, I do. However, think United will win the European Cup by beating City in the final in Milan. And that's, <laughs> that's enough for my happy pills for today. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, Neil. All right, no problem. Cheers, Andy. So that's it for this podcast. We'll be bringing you the next podcast from Swansea away Monday or Tuesday. It'll be recorded on the bus, in the pubs around the ground, in the away end, and we'll get a great variety of voices on there. If you didn't listen to the podcast from Bruges, there are a lot of different people on there, and that seemed to go down well too. Until next time, goodbye.